Welcome to the Nurses for Healthy Environments podcast. I'm Beth Shank, and this is our fourth climate justice podcast. Dr. Robin Evans-Agnew interviews Nurse Tammy Davis from the Birmingham Black Nurses Association, who, as an Annie Environmental Health Fellow, dove into environmental justice issues in her state of Alabama. Today's host, Dr. Robin Evans-Agnew, is a public health nurse and faculty member at the University of Washington, Tacoma. Enjoy. So welcome everybody to another edition of uh, the Nurse Actions for Climate Justice podcast. My name is Robin Evans-Agnew. I'm one of the interviewers for this series. And in this series, we are showcasing actions nurses are taking around the globe to address and advance climate justice for people and the planet. Um, with me today is the amazing Tammy Davies. We've had a chance to just a little chit chat before we got into the podcast room. I'm super excited to learn more about you. I uh, I, I know you're involved in a, a lot of stuff in Uniontown. I hear that name and um, and the Birmingham Black Nurses Association. That's how you got involved with Annie. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your sort of and your connection to environmental justice and climate justice. Okay. Well, thank you so much for having me, Robin. Like you said, my name is Tammy. I live in Birmingham, Alabama right now. And I do a lot of community service. That's definitely my heart of trying to help people and um, I find enjoyment in it. And so I've been a member of the Birmingham Black Nurses Association for about 13 years, 12, 13 years since I moved to Birmingham. Um, as soon as I graduated from nursing school, I moved here because they had a specialized program that I wanted to enter into. And so we do lots of health fairs, we do CEUs, just lots of different things to reach out to the community. And so we get lots of announcements. So Annie Kara sent an announcement to the Birmingham Black Nurses concerning the Annie Fellowship Program. And so when I saw it, I was like, that looks interesting. Maybe, you know, I want to apply. And before that I could get my application done, the School of Public Health at UAB invited Dr. Bullard. And I was like, oh, I need to go see that. And so, of course, it was standing room only in a very small space. I wish they had used um, our auditorium. but so, so for listeners who don't know, right, from around the world, Robert Bullard is uh, the founder, really, of the environmental justice movement in the United States. And really, uh, I, I'm just agog that you got a chance to hear him speak. This is great. He is so, so, so inspiring. And you, when you walk away from one of his lectures, you really feel like, you know, I'm ready to change the world. Mm -hmm. And so um, as African-Americans, there are lots of disparities and we talk about those all the time in healthcare. And his was from a different perspective of the environment. And unfortunately, in urban areas, you know, there are many things that we wish we could change about urban areas. There's lots of toxic um, things. Children have worse asthma in the urban areas. It's the climate is heating up and it's hotter. And so when he started discussing really the beginnings of another disparity, it was really interesting, kind of disheartening that these companies intentionally targeted African-American communities to put their 
companies in, to put their landfills in, to put their toxic companies in, their toxic gas. And when I heard that, I was like, they really did it on purpose. And you hate to think that that was that calculated because there are so many areas that they could have used that were not populated. And of course they did not use areas that were, that they thought would get a a big fight. And sometimes people do things kind of undercover and, you know, they'll bring it to the board, but they've already, the city board or the councilman board, but they've already discussed it and they've already got their, their votes ready. So that when it comes up, you know, people may not even realize that it's, first of all, that it's on the agenda to be discussed. And by the time they realize it's on the agenda, it's already been discussed and they already have their votes. And before you know it, you have a landfill in your backyard. And it's just not fair to constantly, you know, everyone, everyone contributes to garbage, but African-Americans suffer more from these landfills and they suffer more from these toxic chemicals than the rest of the um, world. And so that's what got me really excited about applying for the fellowship. And because I had never actually even heard of any before then, but it was a great experience and I'm glad that I was able to take part. So, so talk about your work then with, with that. Were you working with in one town? How did you how did you end up sort of so then what was your journey? What did you actually do with this with this? So work the idea of the fellowship was for you to find a community organization and partner with them and really let them take the lead, really use your listening skills. And so with that, it is a collaborative project and not just what you envision. And so my preceptor who actually lives in the state of Alabama, she had worked with this community before and she knew that they still needed help. And so I met with them to see how I could assist with them. It was um, coal ash, right? In a community called Para Community, is that is Perry that a, County? Perry it's County, County. Perry County, and it's County. in Uniontown, oh, Alabama. Oh, and so, okay. several, several, several years ago, there was a a toxic spill in okay. another state. So this is not even Perry County's coal ash. And so, four million tons of coal ash were dumped in a landfill near Union County in 2009-2010. And so that coal ash disposal in that landfill is causing health problems. It is, you know, it pollutes the air, people get sick, and they asked for assistance, the community organization I was working with asked for assistance to support this coal ash resolution that they had that was coming before the Perry County County Commission meeting. And we, Annie did write a letter, a support letter, and Birmingham Black Nurses wrote a support letter. And so that was my first time meeting them. So I drove from Birmingham there to actually go to the meeting to see just what the landscape was and to see the, you know, the underworkings of the community. The As a nurse, you have to do that, right? You have to get the lay of the land. You've got to do the drive through everything. Yeah. Exactly. First step, nursing assessment. So I went and did my assessment of what the, what the issues were and 
uh, Uniontown. And the coal ash is the biggest problem that Uniontown has. And so, like I said, African-American communities sometimes don't even, most of the time, do not even make this toxic material. It's being brought in from an entire another state into this community and it causes health problems and nobody wants to take credit for it. Nobody wants to solve the problem. So unfortunately, the resolution did not pass and the coal ash is still there. Like I said, it's 4 million pounds of coal ash in this landfill is still there. They're not, I don't believe they're actively bringing any coal ash, but that does not mean that the coal ash does not have a problem. And the reason why they did not want to approve the amendment that he had, I think was because they may plan for coal ash to be brought or another toxic material to be brought in. So I think they wanted to leave that door open, just my opinion. Um, so like I said, that that's, so how did you handle that? Because that's that's like a big political thing. That's a that's you know we always say to nurses, you've got to be advocates, and you go to this meeting, you've gotten the letters, and then it comes down to a three to two vote, and you lose. Oh my gosh, Tammy, I can't imagine how disappointed that must have made you feel. Like, how'd you cope? It was very disappointing because you wonder, you know, these are the elected officials that are supposed to be looking out for their communities, supposed to be making the best choice possible. And no one could ever think that the best choice possible would be to continue to have coal ash brought into this community. That is not what most people would think. But you, there's always things going on behind the scenes that you're not privy to, but still coal ash is causing problems in this community is causing health problems on a community, like I said, that's already a blighted community, that's already a community that is struggling. And it, it was very disappointing. So I spoke to the members of the community board, I actually met them in person after the meeting. And I did talk to one of the county commissioners and he, he wasn't happy either. Um, like I said, it's very disappointing. And, and right after the meeting, I believe one of the county commissioners, they did an interview, the news was there, and they did an interview about the resolution. So it did, it did have some coverage, but it was still a disappointing outcome of three to two. So after I met my members of my community board, we discussed what things that they wanted to do, because remember, I wanted it, we wanted it to be their project and not just my project. So we collaborated and their biggest concern was healthcare. So if you, in America, before we had the Affordable Care Act, most people, and still today, most people get their health insurance from their employer. Well, you know, if you lose your job or if you move, then you don't have health care. So many, many people, millions of people have taken advantage of the Affordable Care Act. And I would encourage anyone that doesn't have insurance to do that um, because it can make the difference. You know, my mother used to always say a pound of prevention is more than an ounce of cure. And because, you know, if you have diabetes or if you have high blood pressure, or if you have a chronic condition, being seen by a physician every three months for just a checkup is will keep you in line. It will keep your medication refills up. It, you'll be able to, the physician will be able to 
nip those problems in the bud and give you a different course versus a person who has diabetes or high blood pressure. And the first time we see them, they are ready for dialysis. Or the first time we see them, their A1C is 15. And this is so this is such an important theme because the chronic disease burden that we are looking at has roots in the changing ways that we are living. And some of those changed ways we are living are related to those environmental changes that have happened, including climate change. People moving to cities, people not getting the right kind of food, people not being able to get the right kind of exercise, people not getting being able to get health care, preventative health care, just like you said. So uh, they say we want to do health care. So do you go, well, I'm supposed to do environmental stuff. I'm sorry, I can't help you. What do you do? I didn't. I did not say that. But <laughs> I did work some environmental into that because their greatest problem was access to health care. So yeah, it is environmental, I think. I mean, I'm like, I'm like, right. I make the connection, but sometimes other people don't. So I was just like curious about that. Yeah. Right. Correct. No, yeah. I really wanted to collaborate with them and to make sure that they got what they wanted. Mm -hmm. I can always do a, another project. So I want to make sure that they got what they wanted. So they wanted a free health care kind of a free health expo, free health clinic is what they wanted, free health clinic. And so I called around trying to get some partners and the United Way of Selma and the Selma Clinic, Dr. Maycock at the Selma Clinic, were so instrumental. And she has awesome, awesome students, awesome medical students. And so we spoke at the church. And it's, um, it's an AME church in okay. Uniontown. And so the pastor there and Dr. Maycock and Ben, who's over the community organization I worked with, and the United Way um, director over Selma decided that they could help. And so the plan was, is that we would have kind of like a checkup kind of thing day, you know, you get your vital signs checked, visit different community partners. And so we had a um, air of Selma is the AIDS resource group of Selma come to do HIV testing. And then we had an optician come that did eye exams. The students checked blood pressure, did weights. We gave some nutritional counseling and it really just was a great, great turnout. Of course, you know, we are our biggest critics and there are things that you say, well, I could have done this better. I could have done that better. Overall, it turned out pretty well. And the plan was that every three months they would come back and all they would have to do is, is make an appointment and show up and the physician and the students would examine them, make sure they get prescriptions. As we know, the in Alabama, Publix grocery store has a lot of, they have a whole list of free medications. And then Walmart has the $4 medications. And sometimes, you know, there are drug companies that will give you samples of medication. So I really felt good about that. It was going to be a lasting, sustainable thing, sustainable project. Unfortunately, COVID came. And so that kind of wrecked that plan. Well, so, things up there. Yeah. 
yes yeah, at the same time at the same time i mean uh, it, you know the um this is this is core nursing work right where you see an opportunity uh you move in um and you help uh, and you and you're working with a community so i mean i, I i'm interested too in terms of um what you consider i mean you you were looking you're talking about successes and, and and things you would change what what would you change about the collaboration that you did with the with the community members what was that like and what what would you what would you change what would you do differently now you're laughing no one can no one can ever on podcast so they can't see your big big smile here but anyway just like i said i think we're we're, we're our own biggest critic and yeah and yeah. I think that we would just take a little bit longer in planning and do a little bit more advertising to use different advertising streams to get out the word to more people. Um, we, one, you know, of the things, one of the things, one of the biggest challenges that we have in terms of working with under-resourced communities is that they're, they're marginalized in a place where they're isolated. So, you know, um, I work I work a lot with Latino communities over here, Latinas, and everybody goes, Robin, well, can't you just get a hold of a big bunch of Latinas and 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 talk to them? And I'm like, actually, you know, they're actually fairly isolated, right? Their husbands work in construction. So they sometimes drive 60 to 150 miles to get jobs. They go back and forth. Uh, the women stay home taking care of their kids. It's, it's like people don't really get how sometimes when you when when you're poor you get very isolated you have a lot of resiliency you have a lot of things that you're doing to survive on day and day-to-day basis you're, you're really knowledgeable about that but you don't have those other resources to hear about a health fair to go to a, to go to this resource place you, you may not have the time to do that yeah. so it's challenging yeah that was that was challenging so but you know, overall, I think it was it was a great plan and had, like I said, had great partners with United Way of Selma and with Dr. Mancock at the UAB Selma Clinic and yeah. just hope that COVID that will be past COVID soon because that and I think COVID really exposed. We've been talking about health disparities probably 20 years. People have been talking about it. But I feel like when COVID came, that it really exposed it. It was just like a bright light. And people could no longer deny that these things were actually taking place, that people are being turned away from care or that everyone is not receiving the same care. Yeah. And today, I I think I heard that some of the southern states are really uh, under this new Delta variant, they're really suffering. Like the, the ICU, the ICU beds are completely full, and people are out there. And I would just bet that the people that are there are going to be the people from the communities that you were trying to help in Uniontown. Yes, it's un, it's unfortunate, um, and so it's it's disheartening that that there is a fight or that there is a discussion about a public health emergency that we unfortunately just just made it an issue when most public health directives are are followed and abided by and and we are able to overcome that disease process but unfortunately this is where we are today 
this is a major justice challenge ahead of us, right? And, and that we are inside and we are living in and we are learning things. And I think our generation of nurses are gonna change things differently. But that does bring me to this kind of question around these important challenges that nurses are facing. Um, COVID-19 definitely uh, intersects with people who have already suffered and borne the brunt of several injustices, racial injustice, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, systematic institutional racism, interpersonal racism, right? Um, as well as as well as all of those other things that uh, really affect the frontline, fenceline communities in terms of climate justice, what would you say are the most important challenges for nursing to do to address this? Well, I think that we just have to, we have to really start teaching about environment in nursing. I think, you know, we always remember Florence Nightingale and, and she discovered the relationship between you know, having sunlight and hand washing and those things make a difference. But I think that when we can link for nurses and for patients, when we can link that environment causes some of your health problems or that it exacerbates those health problems, then I think nurses will see that as a tool to help their patients. If a child has asthma, then they don't need to live near a place that an urban, greatly urban area that is constantly having, you know, bad air quality. Or if we can help people understand that everyone's not able to access clean water and sometimes there's lead in the water and that leads to behavioral problems or learning problems in children. And those things last a lifetime if we are not able to catch them early and to give that child the proper counseling or the proper treatment, it can be very detrimental to that child and, and to that family that may not have the resources. And so I think once nurses understand that, that that's another education tool to help their patients get better and stay better, then I think that that will impress upon them that environment is another factor in healthcare. How, how do you translate that message for like the Birmingham Black Nurses Association? What, what do you go back and teach them about? What, what, what lessons are you giving them uh, back. Uh, I mean, if you can, maybe maybe they're giving you more lessons than you're 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 giving them. But but what what words would you have for nurses who were wanting to make a change for climate justice, for environmental justice? I mean, it's one thing to be able to get to see Robert Bullard lecture and motivate you, but that's right. You can't get that motivation. Do you have for other young nurses who are out there who are feeling like they don't fit in nursing because uh, they care about these things, or maybe they don't even know about these things. What, what words of advice would you have? Well, I would say the biggest thing that nurses can do is to be on community boards and to actually attend their city council meetings. Because when you, and be a part of your neighborhood association, those things that get voted on in your neighborhood association or your city council meetings actually affect you in ways that you don't even know about. And so if you're concerned about the environment, it's great to, to join 
an environmental group in your local community so that you have someone that can give you the action items, the agenda items. You know, this plan is trying to move in or they're trying to increase this. They're trying to decrease that. We don't know about those things most of the time until it makes the news. That's when we find out about it. So if you're a nurse and you environmental justice or environmental problems are important to you, I would say join a group like Annie, join your local nurses group, your Birmingham Black nurses, or join your state nurses group, because they always have subcommittees that are working on environmental projects. And if they don't have one, then you can say, hey, I don't know everything, but I know someone in here does. And can we have a mentor actually start an environmental committee for our group. And then that person, that professor who's been there a while will know how to get started and know where the resources are. And then watch out for your city council. (laughs) That's such great advice though. That is really great advice. It's like, look around. Uh, Nurses are smart. Look around who you already know. Like when you went out to do your project, you figured out who you already knew who you could connect with, who you could go and say, hey, will you help me out with this project? And I think that nurses are good at that, right? And and they're good at getting people to help them. Um, And and I love the idea of um, trying to to generate more environment action committees in wherever, wherever, whatever group you join. Oh, Tammy, it's just been wonderful talking to you. Thank you so much. Uh, This has been another edition of uh, the the Nursing's Climate Justice Agenda series. Uh, Check in again. We'll have a few more broadcasts coming. We're going to get some ones in Spanish too. Uh, So we're very excited to be global and also local here in the United States and and in uh, Alabama with Tammy Davis. Thanks a lot, Tammy, for being with us today. It was great talking to you, Robin, and hopefully I'll get to hear more of your podcast. Super duper. That was so interesting to hear Tammy Davis's recognition and explanations of links between environmental health and justice and how consideration of such is at the heart of our nursing perspective. Thank you for joining us, Tammy, and thanks again to Dr. Robin Evans-Agnew for hosting. Please join us again for the Climate Justice series of the podcast. Check us out at envirn.org, and please subscribe, comment, and share the podcast. Talk to you next time. <music>